Hello and welcome to Prose Talk. This is your host, Dani Coronel, and in today's episode about the beauties of writing and the writing community and writing, we have Alyssa. Alyssa! <laughs> How are you, Alyssa? I'm good. Um, there's definitely a lot of chaotic energy here, so yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready for it. Are you scared? No, I'm ready. Okay. I'm okay. good. Okay. Do you no want fear. to introduce yourself? I have yourself? no fear. No fear. That's good. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I am the author of Clean Slate, which comes out on October 16th this year. Oh. Um, I'm 20 years old. I'm still in college and I'm going for my liberal arts degree because I'm indecisive and this is just where we ended up. Uh, and I'm too far in now to just be like, uh, I'm going to change my mind. So <laughs> I graduate with my associates in January and then we're going to figure it out from there. Um, I think that's it. That's uh, good. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. really good. That's good. I mean, it's never too late to change your mind, but I think you shouldn't. I just don't <laughs> want to start from scratch, you know? Yeah. Like, I have 64 credits. I don't want to start at Ooh. one again. So, Alyssa, you yeah. are wonderful. We love you. We Thank stand you. you. Oh, we love and you. And a huge thing on your platform that I've noticed as an avid fan and loyal friend <laughs> is your huge on mental wellness and like mental health which i love we love we love that conversation and i wanted to ask you a bit more about it like how what's your journey been like you know living wellfully <laughs> well okay. being um a stressful full writer a stress i guess we'll uh We'll go back to like a few years ago because why not do a time jump? Um, I was like, I want to say between 16 and 17 years old and I started going to therapy and it was my mom's idea and I, I went to therapy a few years before that and then she was just like, she was a kid's therapist and I had like bigger than kid problems and she was like, you're doing great. Like the whole, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Like that's what <laughs> that reminded me of. And it was useless to me. I was like, I'm never going back. So then my mom was like, okay, well, I want you to try again. And I was like, okay, no. But when we went to meet my therapist, I love her and I still see her. So she's like my favorite, I love her. But when I started seeing her, she told me that she was going to diagnose me with generalized anxiety. And I think because of the generalized, I was like, okay, well, obviously it's not that bad because like I'm not a special case or whatever and I don't need to be medicated. So I guess we're just going to chill. Um. <laughs> I'm just an average anxiety case. Yeah, it's just it's just a reg. It's fine. <laughs> but I was just like, all right, trying to like sweep it under the rug. Like, all right, maybe it's not that bad. Like my problems aren't that bad. I'm just overreacting. Like I'm just dramatic, which obviously, but besides the point. But I guess it started from there and I, as I was talking to my therapist and it's been years now and I'm just like being more open to the fact that like, okay, so not everybody deals with this and the stuff that I deal with, so it's okay to be anxious. And then I, I've learned some tricks to like work on my anxiety that without my therapist, I'd probably be like, um, what? And I probably would have cried myself into a very large river by now. It's hard, but it's not impossible. And if you do the work that you have to do, and if you're willing to do that work, then it makes the road to like recovery or whatever you want to call it when, cause you know, it's never going to go away. But, um, so like, I guess living a more accepting life about it, I guess. I, 
I don't know if that's the right word. But just being more okay with it. Just being like, okay, this is my situation. This is how I can cope with it. When something big like flares me up or whatever, this is what I can do to relax. So I've, it's been a long time for me since I started like learning about this whole journey, so to speak, and just figuring it out. So I actually, I'm very on edge, like always, and very panicky about everything and worst case scenario all the time. So my boyfriend doesn't get affected by anything like that. So I'm like sitting there crying. He's like, why crying? It's fine. And I just want to hit him. But, um, <laughs> like, why aren't you crying with me? But he's helped me realize, too, that, like, the things that I think are gonna, like, kill me because I'm so anxious about it aren't as bad as I think they are. Like, they don't deserve that much of a reaction. So, learning all these little lessons along the way has helped me figure out that writing doesn't need to be, like, the end of my life. Yeah. Like, I don't need to get so upset and worked up about my books that. I literally just lose all motivation. Yeah. And a little bit of an example about this is for NaNoWriMo 2019, I forced myself to finish it at whatever cost. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. And I fell behind for a while and then I like caught back up. And then I finished all 50,000 words with 12 minutes in the month to spare. Like stressed myself out. I was like sitting there, Devin was taking a shower and I was just sitting on the floor in my room typing my like my heart out and just crying (laughs) and I was just like I was so few words over and it was just like it just ruined writing for me yeah and then I didn't write for months after that I was like screw that I'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole so if you get yourself worked up like that it's gonna ruin everything for you and I don't want this to be ruined for me because I want it for my future career I'm done rambling for the moment. Yeah, no, that's that's truly such a relatable thing because I also struggle with, with anxiety, anxiety, like anxiety, and um, it's it's really it impacts every single thing of your life, and especially the things you care about most, which is writing for me, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's a thing that people have to deal with a lot of people deal with it we we, we talked a, a bit about this in your podcast in your episode which you, which you should go listen to right now <laughs> and um yeah it's it's it i just i feel you very very much um I guess that that leads into like the question that was like, how does um, you know mental illness affect your like life as a writer? You know, I definitely I want to say that I just maybe give myself too much leeway and just kind of let myself not write because I'm like, well, why stress out? Because now I'm in this space where I'm like, I know what my triggers are and what sends me into like a spiral so i'm like well i might as well just like keep myself relaxed and like that can wait until tomorrow and tomorrow becomes tomorrow 23 days later or like a couple months later and that's where the procrastination comes in yeah so um 
it's just crazy to me how much mental health controls like every aspect of your life but yeah, yeah. so yeah <laughs> i feel you <laughs> i feel you a lot this this conversation got really really serious but i really do relate to that a lot i when like my summer it's not my summers but like my my big vacations my big breaks in high school um i usually got got really really anxious during those like months um because i didn't have the, the distraction of like focusing on schoolwork and you know the time that i wanted to use for writing i was just too anxious to function and it was you know it it really you really are scared that you're going to ruin writing for yourself which is scary i honestly i don't think i was worried about that and i was just like i can do this i can push myself like i can just i'm, I'm gonna make this happen and then i just it didn't even i didn't even realize it as it was happening but i didn't write for a long time i didn't want to touch my book or look at my like i wanted nothing to do with it i was like okay well i just stressed myself out over this i don't want to pay any attention to it but I just like I don't want to say disassociated with it but I kind of just like pushed it to the back burner and I was like yeah. whatever I can wait so I just it's hard just you know not letting it get to you and I actually feel the opposite way that you do with the whole school and anxious thing when I have school to worry about and deadlines and stuff, I like start freaking out. But because of this whole pandemic, we finished school late May, or no, early June, and I had nothing to do until September. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm working, which is whatever. That's like, you know, day to day life. And I'm working on my book. I'm like, I had my publishing company open like two weeks after school closed, I think. And I was just like, I was flourishing because there were no deadlines to freak me out. And the good thing with my writing is that those deadlines are put on me by me. So if I need to give myself a little more time, or if I finish early, whatever, like it's fine. The beginning of every week, I write down everything that I have to do for each class and when it's due. And it's usually Sundays because everything's online. But it just like, I have this like pit in my stomach the entire semester because I'm like, oh my God, is there something due that I didn't do? Yeah. Was there a test this week? Did I have to do a discussion? Like, I just start freaking out about it. So the deadlines just aren't it for me. Yeah. I think, yeah, for me, it's the opposite. I just, I love having something forced on me. <laughs> I love having deadlines and being like, like, like forced to do things because that's the thing that keeps me going and keeps me distracted. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to think about anything else, you know, like the pending, doom of humanity I can just think of like oh I have this paper to write on Asian civilizations and I'd rather sit here and be like well in the real world than worrying about the paper that I have to write like I'd rather cry over the real world than cry over homework and I've cried over homework a lot in my life and it's like this big joke that like Alyssa did forgot to do a homework and she's literally crying over it because uh, her like I was in chemistry in I think my junior year of high school and I forgot to do my homework and then I realized the period before and it was after I had lunch so I couldn't do it and I was like I was literally crying in the hallway because I was like I didn't do it, I'm gonna get points off <laughs> I used to have a social studies teacher we, we had to paint 
uh, you had to paint, uh, how do you say, a stop, not a stop, the thing that changes colors. Traffic light. Traffic light. We had to paint one uh, in the order that it was, and like, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, just paint it yellow and paint the colors. And I started painting flowers around it, I made it all pretty, and I said that a, that a bunch of, of kids had vandalized it. And like it had the colors, and it was like a three D thing. So it had like I was like in third grade, <laughs> and you know I, I painted it, and then when when I handed in my work, she was like, "You ruined it," and she grabbed it and scrunched it and threw it in the garbage can and gave me another one to redo it in front of the whole class, and everyone laughed at me. <laughs> but so, like, like this is why I hate school. What was the point? Like, that's who? like, that's damaging! Yeah! Like, stifling creativity, thank you. Not even just that. What, I just... Uh, crush my dreams, why don't you? Oh wait, you already did! Uh, I feel like it does stifle... Like, the school system just in general stifles a lot of creativity out of kids. And that's not good. Uh, and, and I'm saying this just to link it back to the writing stuff. <laughs> I think, okay, well, English has always been the easiest for me. Same. Because writing has always just come naturally to me. Like, don't ask me anything about history, because I just can't give you dates and names and places and stuff. Like, it's just not my thing. But I can write an essay. I've always been good at essays. I've always been great at spelling and stuff. So, I think I kind of shoved it to the back of my mind for years of my life. That, like, maybe I want to pursue writing. And... My first semester of college, I took anatomy and physiology because I was being encouraged to be a nurse. I failed everything. So that was not the route for me. Um, and then after I failed that, I was like, you know what, let me give this writing thing a shot. And now I have a book coming out. So that's so cool. it's really about failing through everything. Yeah. Like fail your way to figuring it out. I, I like Think it until you make it. Fake it till you make it. I love that you post a lot of like inspirational stuff to like your Instagram. It, it's really when inspiring. I do post. <laughs> you do post. Um, I I go through like batches of consistency because I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna post every day. I'm gonna start right now, and then I post every day for like a week, and then I'm like, ooh, can't. I sorry. feel you. I feel you so bad. Like I post. consistency is hard. Right now, I'm on my third day streak. No, fourth day streak. Posting. I was doing that when I think the 100 days of writing started. I was like, oh, okay, six days down, still going strong. I was like, oh, well, I fell off the wagon. Um, how often do you write? Writing. Do you write like every day or no. try to? No. Yeah, me either. I mean, I do write every day, but like sometimes it's like my fiction. Well, maybe like, yeah, I would say every day. Maybe it's my fiction stuff or like my meditations, like, or like... So you consider like any kind of writing you're writing? Yeah. Like yeah. journal. So I do, I do writing, I guess, like per se. Yeah. Um, one of my English classes in college, he actually told us like even writing texts and stuff like that counts as you being a writer. And I was like, mm, I don't know about that, but... Um, <laughs> but I write like my posts on my stories and I obviously I text all day long. So. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> so I mean, I guess we're big authors, but like big writers now. Super. Um, I, I'm trying to do like a blog post a week, but I'm just like, my issue is that I try to throw so much on myself at once and like conquer everything. And then I'm like, I'm dead. I can't do anymore. So the everyday consistency, I just don't, I think it's just too much for me. I couldn't write for my books every day. Like I just couldn't do that. I couldn't either. I, what I live by is, you know, work on your projects every day, but not like actually writing or it doesn't have to be like in a physical way. It can be, you know, posting something on your author platform. That way you're growing engagement or thinking about them or thinking about a minor character or thinking you know just thinking stuff it's not technically writing don't count it as writing no it's but, not but you know like it helps your writing eventually it helps yeah so yeah i agree yeah don't punish yourself over those things that i'm a big fan of that don't punish yourself don't punish yourself it's like okay. if you're trying to write every day and you don't write a day don't be like oh my god i'm the worst person ever i'm gonna fail yeah, it's okay. Because, like, it happens. It does happen. So. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah. Happens a lot to the best of us. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you a bit about, um, I guess, what motivates you to write? Okay. Um, I'm actually really happy that I have answers to these questions. Ooh. <laughs> and I'm not sitting here like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um... <laughs> I want to make a career out of it. Yeah. So I want to be able to be a stay-at-home mom because, like, having kids is like so important to me, so important to me. Um. So I want to be able to like be there for my kids, and especially when they're babies, like just be there all the time. And I don't want to miss any huge moments if I don't have to, like standing, walking, talking, like all that stuff. Um, and then even when they're kids and like they're in school, I want to be able to be there for their school events. Like if they have talent shows or dance, um, recitals or like soccer games, any of that, because I know that my mom being there for me when I was a kid meant the world. And if I can write from like write books from home, there's no set hours. It's just like, okay, write and figure it out. Um, it's like a source of passive income. If you can get it to me, which yeah. is obviously the goal. Yeah. Um, which we are not there with clean slate. <laughs> um, but just like I have this idea that I want this like beautiful home office in my dream home or whatever. And I'm just going to sit there and write all the books and I'm going to have my books on the shelf behind me, like the ones that I've written. And just, I guess the idea of the future that I can have with it is what pushes me. That's because it's definitely not the present. Because <laughs> the present's hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's truly I love that. Yeah. And and you know, it's it's really good to motivate yourself, not to rely on other uh, exterior motivators. And Which... then it's just like I say that I want to be a stay-at-home mom, and people automatically think that I'm not going to work. Yeah. Like no, I'm going to have a whole business over there. I'm just going to be home when I'm doing it. So this whole like pandemic thing has been great practice for me and I've gotten so much done and I'm like, I feel more balanced working from home than I think I ever have. So I think that working from home in the future, I'd have the discipline to do it. And I just think that I'd, you know, to touch on that mental thing again, I think I'd just be in a good spot, yeah. like mentally, physically, and I can just worry about 
focusing on what I care about and not working some dead end, not dead end job, but like some job that I hate just for money. Yeah. So there's a little bit of motivational over for me through the whole writing thing. I love that. I, yeah, that's great. Um, tell me about a bit more about Clean Slate. Uh, you did tell the story about how it came to be. What was it? Oh no, because that's a spoiler. I was gonna ask you because it came up in a dream, but I was gonna ask you what the dream was about. But that would be a spoiler because it's for Ooh, the big spoiler. Book. Yeah, <laughs> spoiler that hasn't Dang even been it. written yet. <laughs> so I mean, you can tell us, me and the listener, a bit more about the premise. Okay. Um, it's a little all over the place, but like that's you know life and me especially. So I like resonates with me a little bit. Um. So the story starts with this um, brother-sister, like they're just like the duo, the dream team. And their mother is very like in and out of their lives since their father died. And then this whole big thing happens. I just, I feel like it's a spoiler saying that Natalie died, but it's literally on the back of the book. So, which I contemplated taking off the back of the book because I feel like I wanted to really hit people. Yeah. I want to cause people pain. <laughs> I guess that's the sadistic part of my writing, but because um, I love when books make me cry, so like I want people to cry over mine. But anyway, his sister dies, and then he's like, "I can't take this anymore because like every corner I turn, I think of her and stuff." So he leaves, and he like flies across the country, and then he meets Ellie, who is dealing with her own issues, and they just like click because they're both in like semi-dark places in their lives and are trying to cope with it but having a really hard time doing it so I guess to like sum it up in a real cliche way it's like they found their light at the end of the tunnel or whatever because it's just like you get me yeah so like I feel better about it I hope but it's cute and cheesy and whatever but I, yeah we, we do need that we do. We, we need right some, now. some cheesiness. We do. Yeah. It's it's not fun. It's not cheesy no. nor cute right now. The world. No, it's not. Um, but I, wanna, I think. Uh, yeah. So you, we could use some cute and cheesy. Yeah, you do deal a lot about grief, and you know, I read some part of the book. <laughs> um, some PTSD, and you know, like hard topics and yeah it definitely does touch on like darker yeah. things I, I i wanted to ask a bit like what what was the research like um and especially as someone who deals with mental illness how what was the experience like um you know writing mental illness okay um when i had my editor read through my manuscript and everything she actually gave me notes back and she told me I was really good at writing two things that I've never experienced in my life she said I was really good at writing the whole sibling bond thing and I'm an only child so where I get that from because my boyfriend and his sister hate each other um so that's interesting and then uh, the other thing, it, it's kind of a spoiler, but it's like one of the darker topics later in the book, like what Ellie's dealing with. She said, I'm really good at writing that too, which is another thing I've never experienced. And I was like, that's weird. Maybe I should keep writing things I don't know about. <laughs> um, 
but when it comes to, I have to say, I've never, I have been so fortunate in my life to never lose anybody close to me like that. So again, I guess the grief is just something that I was able to write without having experienced it firsthand because I just put myself in that position. The anxiety and everything which comes through more in Ellie than it does in Dylan. Um, obviously that was easy for me, <laughs> but um, it's just more of like I inserted myself into that situation. And I'm a very empathetic person. That's what so, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Like if somebody starts crying, I'm like, I don't know why you're crying, but I'm gonna cry too because like you're making me feel bad and I'm sad for you. <laughs> but that's just like it was just easy for me to feel what I wanted him to feel. And for Ellie and everything. So it just That's really interesting. And it's it's really fun writing like angst. <laughs> like arguments and stuff. Like scream at each other. Go ahead. There was one scene in particular in Clean Slate that was like so much fun for me to write and I'm just so proud of it. And it's not even like a big part of it. Like, it's not really, no, it's, it's, not, it's not a spoiler. When Dylan tells Catherine he's leaving, that whole big blowout, I was like, yes, I'm proud of this. I like this. This is good. It's not, like I said, it's not a big part of the book. Yeah, but, but I was just like, it just, I was like, yes, perfect. Yeah, I guess. That's one of the parts that I haven't touched. Yeah, you do, you can write sibling oh. relationships really well. The, the I always there, wanted right? a sibling, so maybe I wrote the relationship that I wanted. I don't know, it was just, I didn't feel like I was struggling to write it. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to try anyway. <laughs> It did, it did, like, remind me a lot of my brother and I. That makes me happy. You did tell me that. Yeah, it's... That makes me feel like I did my so job sad. good. Yeah, that's so sad. You're so mean. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> I, I hate you. Listen, that's what I want to hear. I want everybody that reads it to be like, I hate you. I'm crying right now. You are the worst. <laughs> and I just, like, I had my beta readers read through it, and I got some, like, oh my god, I can't believe you. I'm like, I'm crying over this, and I'm like, yes. You just, that's such an accomplishment for me because the books that I've cried over are the books that have stuck with me so it's just like yeah because you connected exactly it just, it just but yeah so I wanted to also ask you a bit about um the writing process how long did it take you to write clean slate like a year and a half if we're counting drafts and stuff Ooh. Um, my drafts, I I kind of cheated for Camp NaNoWriMo in April okay. because I just like rewrote a draft and I like tweaked a few things so I was just like rewriting it basically. Like I had the old one here and the new one here. So it was kind of cheating because I wasn't like thinking of it on the spot. Yeah. But Camp NaNoWriMo is like whatever you want. It doesn't have to be new. Yeah. Um, so I was just like flying through drafts. I finished it in NaNoWriMo, but because I didn't touch any writing for a while, I didn't realize that I finished it because I wanted it to be one massive book instead of two books. Okay. But once I went back, I found a spot where I could cut it into two books. So I have like 25,000 words towards the second book already that I also haven't touched. But I'm... I actually did this little thing 
Show me, show me, show me. <gasps> That's so pretty. So like, I love it's that. a whole like binder, and it's just ridiculous. I love my but honestly, I'm this big like super weird. Like this is all from Nanorama that I didn't realize I wrote already. So. I have to go through all of it, and I just don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. That's really If great. I'm being honest. <laughs> I love binders. How many words are in Clean Slate? That's the question. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we're around like... Um, let me just give you an answer. Okay. okay. I want to say we're between 70 and 80,000. Um, closer to 80. Okay. Uh, 80,401. But that's including the chapters, like chapter one, chapter two. So, yeah. like eighty thousand, give or take. That's so fun. I'm so happy for you. I'm and actually like I was nervous that it was too short. Too short? Yeah. Like, and then I was reading through it, and I was like, "This is taking longer than I thought." So maybe it's not that short. Yeah. Because I have like the summed up version in my head, you know? Yeah. Like, that. like well, this happens, this happens, and that happens. Yeah. Like the so movie. It's not like, like. Yeah. Exactly. I had a post in my in my Instagram that was like, how many words are usually in the... I think for romance, it's usually like five, uh, not five, 50,000 to 100,000. So I'm right in the middle Is it YA? Or is it... Um, it's technically new adult, but like my Barnes & Noble doesn't have a new adult section that I know of. Okay. So we'll say YA. It says here that it's 55,000 to 70,000, but the examples I put none fit that description almost. Well, anyway, follow my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> what about getting, like, not wanting your draft to be ugly? How did okay. you get through that? So, what I did, I'm gonna go through my editing process a little bit. Okay. I wrote my first draft. And then I I have Grammarly on my computer. So I'm like, Grammarly is um, <laughs> I love Grammarly. I have the app and I have it on my computer. I love you, Grammarly. Please pay me $1,000. <laughs> I would love that. I actually have to get the app on my phone. But um, so I went and I made sure that there were no like red underlines or anything anywhere. And once I made sure all of those were gone, I printed it out. Um, so that there was like two pages on a horizontal piece of paper and I printed all of that out and then I went through with color-coded markers so like red was anything that needed to be fixed because it was just wrong or something like grammatical errors spelling errors whatever okay. um, blue was anything that had to do with my character specifically green was time orange was something I don't remember what orange was but I had a color that meant something specific so I went through and I was underlining stuff and like crossing stuff out and rewriting what I should put there. So then after I finished that, I typed up all my corrections and then I was like, okay, I started my beta reading process pretty early. Like I like kind of got a second draft and then I was like, all right, go. Somebody right, read it. I don't want it anymore. Go out into the world. Um, and then I had, I kind of had two rounds of beta readers and both each individual person gave me a different thing to look at, so I definitely made a lot of changes based on my critiques and stuff. Um, 
the joy but i think i just kind of got over the whole okay but what if it's not perfect because i knew it wasn't gonna be yeah and i know it's still not that's the hardest part like accepting that it's being published and it's still not perfect but this is my first book i've been writing for like five minutes so like it doesn't have to be perfect and getting over that like initial okay but what if somebody hates it like somebody's gonna hate it whether it's perfect or not by your standards if it's perfect somebody else can completely hate it and just knowing that that hate and disapproval and dislike is gonna come anyway especially if you're like if your book gets out there and like finds its way around the writing community which I hope mine does like I hope I get hate because that's how I know it got out um that's how i think of it but i think that 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 way of thinking it of it really just like made it easier for me to be like okay well it's not perfect but i can learn from it so i hope somebody like trashes me at least once i honestly say i mean i think i would cry oh i'd cry hard but then i'd be like you know what i made it yeah like when i got my first dislike in my youtube videos I was over I was over the moon. I took a picture of it and I sent it to all my friends and I was like, I made it. <laughs> and where's the fun thing? I wanted no, I think that's it. We're done. Bye. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Bye. <laughs> We're done. Bye. This is it. Um I don't know, something controversial. Um or controversial like in the writing community or yeah, like in, in the writing life? community no in the writing community uh are there any like controversial tropes or anything i think every country every trope is controversial to an extent i think you're right actually let's think i'm literally googling controversial writing topics um i do can i tell you mine absolutely i think what is a bad idea Mm, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Controversial. Yeah, we can talk about that. Go ahead, dive in. Okay. I don't I think Wattpad is great. I think it's wonderful getting um feedback. It helps you grow as a writer a lot. But I have seen that if you want to traditionally publish it's not okay, I I started it to be controversial, but I genuinely I genuinely don't have a problem with Wattpad. And if you want to publish on Wattpad, go ahead. I think it's great. Okay. But if you have a story that you want to traditionally publish, I've heard that agents and writing houses, if they find out that you published it on Wattpad, they think it's already published. Like they they consider it already published and selling your idea is harder. Mm-hmm. I've heard that too, actually. Um, Go ahead, tell I me what you think. <laughs> love Wattpad. I have been reading Wattpad since I was like 13 or 14, which was a long time ago. Um, (laughs) So I just, I have mixed feelings about it because I love it and I love reading stuff on there. And I actually had my first draft of Clean Slate on there for a while. Um, It might even still be up there, but it's just so different now that I don't really care. But I stopped posting Clean Slate on Wattpad because I don't trust people. Like, through and through, I don't trust somebody to, like, if somebody finds my book and they're like, I like this, I'm going to pretend I wrote it. 
their name wouldn't be on it so that if somebody looked their looked them up on Wattpad then they could probably get away with it and like that freaks me out and I don't want somebody to get my credit for, get credit for my work and people are shady and like yeah. especially on the internet so I don't trust people but yeah. that's my issue I yeah I do understand I guess and I feel like now Wattpad is becoming like everything else and now with these paid stories like every good story is paid um, and I actually entered the Wadis last year, so I'm like, I'm like, um, contradicting myself. But, I don't know, I, I can't decide if it's something I want to be a part of or not. That's so But it seems like people are getting published and making movies and stuff, and I'm sitting here like, okay, well, I'm just gonna try to do it the regular way. Yeah, I think that's, I think a problem is wanting to copy someone else's success because like <laughs> their success stories exactly because of that like their success stories um, exactly if you're if if your dream consists of you know having movies and it's more of, of getting the movie deal i think a better option would be like screenwriting right which i totally agree with but i know that for me um I feel like I get more emotionally invested when I'm reading. Yeah. Especially with when it comes to like romance and stuff because romance in movies just goes way too fast and like freaks me out. Definitely. Well-known good movies like Titanic. <laughs> Haven't watched Titanic. They film them in five seconds. They <laughs> make me force you to watch all these things. I'm, I'm gonna have so to give you like a list of things to watch. Yeah, please do. I'm terrible. Um. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, have you seen the notebook? Danny! <laughs> <laughs> I have it. killing me! Okay, well, the notebook, they fall in love really, really quick, and, like, really dramatically, and that's... But, like, that's how movies are. Like, the whole love at first sight thing is so real in movies. Yeah. But it's and I have, you have an hour. I don't know like, if I believe in that in real life. Love at first sight. I don't know oh, if I, I don't. Actually, I don't. I definitely don't. No. I, I believe in like someone. lust at first sight because that's a different thing. Yeah, but like love at first sight, like you can't love somebody you just like looking at them. Yeah, definitely. Like you're pretty, I love you. I'm in love with you. No, you're pretty. That's what it is. Soulmates. Do we believe in soulmates? No. I mean, yes, well? but soulmates are made. They're not like you. Like it, they're made with the person. Like as you build the relationship you like yes. change each yeah. other because that's what I happens do when you that. interact with a person for a long period of time like you start well you could start sometimes it doesn't work out which is fine um but yeah i don't i don't i hate oh my god this is another controversial trope i hate mates that are like you two are are going to be together because the universe says so because you're made mm. for one another i don't like that i don't like that I like the soulmate like meeting, like you were destined to meet each other. Oh yeah. But from that and beyond, I think that it's all effort. Like in real life and in books, like you can't just like, well we're meant to be together so I guess we're not going to put in any effort because it's just going to happen anyway. Yeah. Like that's garbage. So, And I also, I do like when like, say two people are destined to be together and then they don't. Like they're not together. Because this one's like, okay well I don't want you, I want that one. That one. So, <laughs> I picked that one. 
I also don't understand, like now that we're talking about soulmates, I'm thinking about a certain author. And I don't understand the age differences. Like oh, the stories mm, that are like mm. a thousand years old creature falls in love with a 16 year old. I'm literally watching Vampire Diaries, so I'm like, <laughs> honestly, if it's Ian Somerhalder we're talking about, I don't care about age. But, don't tell Devin I said that. <laughs> but, like, the difference just gets to be too much because you're at two different points entirely. Oh, yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. and my mom and her wife are eight years apart. Yeah. And,. My mom's wife is older. She's the older one. And she acts younger than my mom. Like, she's more, like, young and playful. Like, it's weird. My mom's eight years younger. But my stepmom acts younger. That's interesting. And I'm so here for it. Because she, like, she'll dance down supermarket aisles and stuff. And she just, like, doesn't care about making a fool of herself in front of everybody. And I just, like, I love it. And my mom's one of the types to be like, no, stop it, stop it. <laughs> yeah, but when I think when you get to a certain point in your life and you're like past the being young and stupid thing, I think it's just a matter of personality. Like I'm not here for a something teen year old dating a forty something year old. Oh no, no, please don't. That's just too different. That's it's creepy. different and like kind of gross and it's almost very illegal. Gross. It's very legal if not above the age of consent what would i what what would i talk about with a 17 year old that's like going to high school like that's like you're still a stupid kid at that age so like and he's lived for a thousand years and been in like survived wars and stuff and probably been in a thousand relationships like what makes you any different yeah and what's how do you see that person as a as a as a as a full-fledged not even adult but like they're like like an equal almost yeah it's not equal and it's weird and it's creepy it is really creepy i do like if if they met before you know like maybe like a reincarnation story i think and then oh, they remember maybe that way i'd be like okay but like she's also like kind of immortal because like they've met before Hmm. You need to watch Vampire Diaries for me, please. Okay. How do you feel about like sacrificing for love and stuff? Ooh. Hmm. Like that I kind think, of trope. I mean, I'm a Christian. <laughs> so like that's kind of the whole thing. Seriously. Um That <laughs> is the whole thing. That, that is that's kind exactly of the, the whole thing. That's the whole point. Okay, but, but- what to what extent to what extent i think yeah you know a mother sacrificing herself for her children is just like a given you know you know like depends on the person but it's it's very um i think it depends a lot on on the relationship and on the on the terms of the sacrifice love at the end of the day is putting your interests aside for another person mm-hmm. um but not all of them like we love um self-care and we love um indiv- we love like, compromise too we, yeah like it's and boundaries and 
um, you know, healthy relationships with communication. I saw this. It's gonna, uh, I only bring up things that sound stupid, but um, I was watching this TikTok the other day. Yeah. So there goes my stupidity. No. Um, stop. And it was like, it was this wife, and she was like, relationships aren't always 50 50. And they're like, rarely 50 50. It's usually like 70 30 or 80 20, whatever. And that's just how it is because, like, if I can't give 50, I'm like, okay, so our 50s could look different. I could be putting okay. all my effort in, and it's like a 20. Versus all of your effort is an 80 okay. for the day. But as long as you together can get to 100, then it's fine. And like you switch off and say like the husband can't contribute that much to it this day. And then the wife can't yeah. contribute the next day. Like as long as you are working together as a team to get to that 100, I love then that, it doesn't yeah. matter. So it's just like... And I've seen it in my own relationship because Devin and I are very different in every aspect. Um, like, I sit and write books and read for fun, and he's always on, like, a quad or something that goes really fast and has an engine. And that's just not me. Yeah. Um, but everything is compromised. Everything is compromised. So I don't like participating in his things. But he works on his stuff in the shed, so I'll go down and I'll sit in the shed with him while he works on it. And I'll, like, work together, yeah. but doing, like, completely different things. Yeah. So I it's just, that. like, I'm here and I'm with you, but I'm not, like, involved in your thing. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, it's kind of, like, 50-50 in that case. He's getting to do what he's doing. And I guess that's, like, a sacrifice because I'm not doing exactly what I want to be doing. It's if you don't have to sacrifice anything, it's not worth anything. Yeah. I feel like many love sacrifices are just there for like the sap of it. Yeah, for the theatrics. Yeah. I don't know. I just think there's a big difference between sacrifices that mean something and then sacrifices because of like misled information. Definitely. And I think like any trope, it depends on the way you do it. And it depends yes. on what you bring to the trope. And there is a thousand ways it could go terribly wrong. And there's a thousand ways it could go great. And I don't think know. I can ever entirely hate a trope because yeah, if it's done the right way, then how can I hate it? And they find you and you can see that. Okay. Okay, so I think this has been it. Um thank you so much, Alyssa, for coming on here. It was such an honor. Um you're one of my favorite people. And where can they find you? Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. Um, you can find me just about anywhere by typing in my full name, my first and last name. So it's Alyssa Lassella, A-L-Y-S-S-A-L-A-S-T-E-L-L-A. And, um, I am on Instagram. On Tumblr, you can find me at Lassella00. Uh, Twitter, I'm also Alyssa Lassella on there. My YouTube, you can just look up my name. And my website is www.alyssalacella.com. I think that's it. I think those are all my bases. Oh, I love that. Yeah, you should go check her out. She has some amazing content. And we did an episode on her podcast. So you could go listen to that one if you're interested in more 
learning more about these two anxious beings. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, I hope you have a lovely day. Goodbye. <laughs> That's just how I say goodbyes now. <laughs>